I hope you're tucked in. Cause you are now in bed with Dr. Sue. Hello, oh wonderful listeners of InBed. It's Dr. Sue, obviously. And I'm back with another fabulous guest, author Miss Pearl O'Leslie. I love bringing you guys indie authors. I love promoting indie authors. And if you might remember, I tried putting together two different writing contests with two different publishing houses, but both fell through. Not because of a lack of participation, on the contrary. I had many wonderful writers send in some great work. No, it was because, in the end, both publishing houses didn't bother to follow through with their promises of publishing the winners. The second publishing house didn't even respond to me after I sent in the stories. This is the reason why the self-publishing industry is thriving. Publishing houses are slowly dying and with good cause. What do they do for that 30% they take in fees on every book you sell? Do they promote you? No. As a matter of fact, one of the first things you're asked when you submit anything now is how big of a social media profile do you have? So, I mean, if you're going to have to be the one out there hustling your butt, why wouldn't you work for yourself with self-publishing? So whenever I can, I try to give as bright a spotlight as possible on independent authors, and Miss Pearl is one of them. You're about to get a peek inside the mind of one of the most intriguing women in erotica, a dominant woman who writes for other dominant women. Her work is not just sexy, it's thought-provoking, and clearly controversial, especially when it gets banned on Literotica. Find out why now, in my interview with Miss Pearl. We have with us today, Pearl O'Leslie. Take it, Pearl. Hi, I'm Pearl O'Leslie, also known as Miss Pearl. I'm a female dominant, and I'm a writer and blogger in Canada. My writing ranges from sweet and friendly through to the sort of stuff that's gotten itself banned on Literotica. I have a couple of books up on Amazon available for purchase, and... On top of that, I am one of the top searches for femdom stories on Google, thanks to my large collection of Friday femdom fiction. So tell us more about the Friday femdom fiction. I started writing the Friday femdom fiction as a writing exercise. It's pretty natural for me to try to write erotica, because that's a big part of my sexuality. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just simply make sure that there was more out there of the stuff I was into. So it started out just being little 500-word writing projects, and I had a lot of trouble sticking to the word limit, so it just completely got away with um, me, and now there are several different stories up on themes ranging from humiliation through to um, happy couples finding true love. That's really cool. There, You have a series, though. Uh, Yeah, Catamites. Catamite, sorry. The next book is Catamite. actually coming out November 1st. I just So tell everybody about that because you've got, because you, this is what I'm not really getting. Is Catamite in a book form or you've got it on your website in parts? So is that people can wait for the next part to come out? Okay. It started off as a serialized story that I was writing on FedLife. And then when I started doing the blogging, it moved over to being something you can get if you visit my blog. But then the stories proved to be so popular that I released it in an edited ebook form. Or rather, I released the first third of it as an edited ebook. And now I'm releasing the second third. And I haven't actually um, published the conclusion yet, but that will be available as a third book. So tell us what Catamite's about. And it's not, what's the first book that's on Amazon is, is Catamite Part 1, but it's, it goes by another name. What is that? called The Pet Gentleman, and it's 
actually science fiction, though most people don't notice that it's a very non-intrusively written alternative universe where a wealthy and very politically connected woman decides to fill her sexual fantasies by taking a political prisoner into her house and making him into, as the title suggests, a pet gentleman, a man who's perfect for her in every way. It has heavy themes of non-consent, mind control, and it's very femdom-oriented. There's no male dominance in the story at all, though the society itself is just a standard male and female living in a world-type environment, and the femdom mm-hmm. aspects are more secret. Ah, so not unlike what we're living now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe a little bit more brutal being um, the science fiction. So, okay. Catamite was was Catamite not the one that was banned on Literatica? Exactly. Um, so why? What's why? What is so devious about it? Um, I've observed that there's a lot more tolerance for male on female non-consent than female on male non-consent. There's a scene ah. where it hit their censors where, for purposes of birth control, the female um, protagonist arranges to have the male protagonist. Philip be well basically be sterilized and this deeply distressed the person that they have as a censors was labeled snuff and nothing else of the line to be Snuff? Yes a pe- Snuff. Yes. I can promise you that nobody dies. Nobody dies and I don't have any interest in that, so I don't write it. So exactly. So why would someone s- obviously they don't know what they're talking about. Well literotica depends entirely on volunteer editors. And like mm-hmm. I said, there's a lot less service put to um, femdom non-con. But one criticism I've gotten in the book is that my characters are way too real. And when you're looking at the rougher and more violent stuff that's available as pornography, a lot of it has very simplified, almost cookie-cutter characters. So right. I think some people find that sort of writing is distressing. Whereas for me, this is something I like. I like characters mm-hmm. you can get into and that you can get into the heads of. Yeah. Well, it, it just makes sense. It, it's better reading. Yeah. The feedback. But what are, okay, so the castration, it's, it's obviously a form of castration that they do, right? Oh, uh, he's not castrated. It's just a tubal snip. That, excuse me? Are you serious? Yeah. And they said that was snuff? Yeah, I didn't include any castration in the story because he was supposed to be around to sexually service her without getting her pregnant. Yes. That, I'm sorry. That just, it, it that's blowing my mind. It, it's like, okay, so essentially you just described a vasectomy. Big deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Vasectomy. I can't believe I forgot what the word for that was. Sorry. It's <laughs> migraine. No, that, I, I'm, honestly, I am speechless. That's unbelievable that, that you got censored that way. Obviously, it's all run by men then. <laughs> um, Probably. I wouldn't be surprised just because they seem to be the predominant audience when you're writing femdom porn. Certainly, mm. my blog's audience is about 80% men and 20% women, and I consider it really an achievement to have 20% um, of a female audience at all. That's huge. That is actually huge. And I don't think people get that. Is it, it, I, I love the fact that your stuff is out there so that it can actually educate women. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hoping, that some of these women who are reading it actually aren't into femdom and are kind of going, what is it? Yeah, and then can kind of play with it and, and, and live through that and see if it's for them. That was one of the important things about writing Catamite was that I didn't want to have it to be that secret BDSM world where everyone has the titles and hats and stomps around with whips and boots because I find mm. that that's one of the reasons why femdom isn't really accessible for women. Now, I'm really evangelical about making femdom more accessible to women. I obviously have a personal bias, 
but catamite is partially to try to make something that's based on what at least I as a femdom want versus what um, one might be providing as a professional or one what might be asked to do by a partner who is asking one to take on the role. And it's very much about the female character getting her needs met on her terms, whether or not it's brutal to get them. So is it that you've almost made the, the protagonist, the female, almost sociopathic in a way? She's not sociopathic. The way I'd written her is that she lives in a terrible culture where her behavior, if she were a man, and this was something that I've noticed that there's a lot of um, male dom porn out there where you could say very mm-hmm. terrible things about the male protagonist where it's considered to be perfectly healthy. She basically behaves like a male dom protagonist would in the more extreme stories. She just deals with the baggage of being female on top of that as one of the side threads of the story. It's called Catamite because this is getting a little ahead, so it's not really a spoiler, but she made that decision after she realized that her husband was taking a series of male lovers. Um, Ah. She's not married to her sex slave and decided that if he was doing that, then why can't she get what she wants? That is the what the male protagonist is doing. Most of the story comes through from his perspective, but it's mostly as a matter of interest for me because as a female dominant, I'm not necessarily interested in what's going on in my head. I'm interested in what's going on in the male um, submissive head because that's what I'm trying to get into when I'm dominating a guy. Well, absolutely, and that is that's the entire point of what you're doing. On top of that. If your audience is 80% male, you're going to want to be able to get into their head in order for them to relate to any of the characters. Actually, the funny thing is I consider it the other way around. I try to really for women, and Ah, I find that the male audience is considerably more reliable. I just count on my material being good to get their attention. For me, it's much more important to cater for women because I feel we're an underserved market. There's so much pornography and erotica available for male submissives or men who are interested in male submissive themes or in female dominance that right. it's to the point where when you try to find femdom erotica, it's always about femdoms, if not for femdoms. Whereas if you try to find female submissive erotica, it's often written for female submissives because there's a significant quantity of women who are writing this for themselves based on what they like. Right. I often say that female submissives get stuff done. Yeah. I would hope that all submissives do, but <laughs> Yeah, but female submissives get stuff done. I like that. Yeah. Well, it's just that they're often the group that's most criticized of not having any agency and I find that they tend to be one of the strongest voices in King. I mean, probably the next strongest is male dom, just because the second most common. It's been an experience and one of the things I've really enjoyed about my writing is being able to reach out to so many different people. Of all things, it's got a popular following in Germany. Really? You know you've got dedication when you're looking at your web traffic and people are reading your stories through a German-English translator's uh, web client service. That, you know, that's got to really feel good. I know. I'm glad that I've been able to get things out there that I liked, and that's why I first started writing erotica in the first place. I mean, that's why I first started sharing erotica. I've always written some in my own time. Um, mm-hmm. basically as long as I've been able to put pen to paper and had sexual fantasies, I started putting them down. But my decision to share them wasn't something that really happened until I started getting active in the local BDSM community, and I got an idea of how little there was out there for female dominance. I sometimes worry that because they're based entirely on things that I like, that it's not necessarily going to cater to the broader audience, but I haven't found that yet. Well, you know what I've noticed is that a lot of the writing in femdom is done by male submissives, too. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not like yours has got to be coming from a really fresh point of view. Of all the writers that I would consider most inspirational for what I do, it would be Tannis Lee. I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's a science fiction and fantasy writer from the 70s and the 60s, and even up until basically the last couple of years where, unfortunately, she passed on. But a lot oh, of her work, what a shame. like, none of it is erotica, although there'll be erotic elements of it, but there are mm-hmm. heavy femdom aspects in it and her protagonists are and I'm loath to use the term strong but they're not just strong as incompetent they're leaders and they take on a leadership role and they're aggressive as relationship and her level of accessibility and the way that she describes things is something I've always admired and wanted to have in my own work and so she was able to keep her aspect of it more mainstream then yeah and like I said, there's no... Because she didn't dip into the erotica portion, so she just she was just making her characters very strong, like you said, strong. Well, not only that, she also made her male leads what I consider appealing to female dominance. Like, she'd talk about her male characters as being things like the consumptive poet, where the guy is absolutely gorgeous, but he's in a position of vulnerability to the woman. Or there's another story that she did that's a very popular novel called The Silver Metal Lover, which is about a... It's like your standard teenage romance, but it's about a girl who acquires herself an android boyfriend who you can understand is programmed to be perfect. But again, it's back to the idea of being a female dominant on your own terms as a woman as opposed to doing it as something that's more oriented towards a male audience. That is awesome. Because like I said, most of the stuff that you see out there isn't done that way. That's the reason why you are so popular. With Catamite, though, I'm thinking, because tell me if I, I've probably got this totally wrong. When you've got all the parts up online, who's buying the book? The book is getting bought by people who are big fans of my blog who want to see the edited right. version with less typos. The book is being bought by a large quantity of people on Amazon who don't have any overlap whatsoever. Some of it is in support of my blog. Some of it is people who like the story, who like the idea of a consolidated version that there's some discrepancies between the one you can find on my blog and between the one that you can find on Amazon because there's the Well, you've changed it and polished it, right? Exactly. Is that so basically there you're getting a first draft in the one online. Exactly. That's what's happened because um what people were getting is I would write it whilst I was working crappy jobs in college and right. I would throw it up online when I went home before I went to bed and you could imagine that it was like a labor of love. It only went from there. That putting it on Amazon was also about reaching a broader audience. And again, it was a chance to support other creative people I like. I hired a cover artist called Youmine, who mm-hmm. I really admire her illustrations. And again, she does femdom for a female audience, and she's very clearly into this for its own sake. And you can just feel the love in her work. And I'm very happy with the cover work she's done so far. She didn't. Just... The beautiful covers. Yeah. Because I noticed that you actually have that up on Twitter right now. You were wondering about the um, your latest, which is what understanding a cruel lady. Mm-hmm. And you're looking for feedback on the cover for that. I love it. I believe that's a cattle prod. Am I not right? Indeed, there is. It's a reoccurring <laughs> theme in the story. That was so- that's adorable. <laughs> cattle prods just aren't used anymore, and it's just it's nice to see it back again. Yeah, I admit that putting that into the story was based on some personal experience with recreational <laughs> cattle prods and some. I wouldn't. Well, they were definitely consenting, but somewhat recalcitrant gentlemen made much more cooperative than a little bit of that. I'm quite sure. Well, both of them do. The sub wines and the toy wines. (laughs) 
Yes, and it's it's trying to see which one can outwind the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, on that note, though, Pearl, like, let's people want to know, especially men, where do you get the inspiration from? Because I think too many people think that any kind of author is like basically living all this stuff, especially when it comes to any kind of sexual content. Automatically, everybody goes, oh, well, she's obviously living all this stuff. Hello? Well, I don't have a fabulous Victorian mansion and my own private security team, and I don't live on a planet full of mercenaries who are (laughs) able to take people, political prisoner, and exploit them. The story is definitely non-con, and I'm firmly in the um, everyone-must-consent camp. I'm very actively into BDSM. Um, I discovered through my explorations that female dominant is the best thing for me to describe what I'm into. I'm active in the local BDSM community in Montreal and, in fact, run an event and are fairly accessible. You can certainly find me if you're looking for me without much difficulty. Indeed, I've had people who are fans of my stuff come up and say, hi, which is also nice. That's awesome. So, well, I definitely don't live the more extreme aspects of the story. I certainly do live my work. And the other thing that goes into it is that I would often take for little vignettes in the story that are the smaller portions, would take kinks that were being delivered to me and see if I could find a way to make them attractive to me and work them into the story. And thusly more attractive to women in general. Yeah, that part wasn't even evangelical. That one was just, this is what is there, now what is my perspective on it and my take on it. Right. In the context of the story, it comes from someone who has a position, like, I come from a background where kink is perfectly normal. It was part of my sex ed. So none of this is particularly shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a little bit of kink in all my relationships, even when I was a teenager in high school. So yes, Virginia, there is a Santa Claus. I do live this sort of thing. I am doing all sorts of things like this. And I do actually... There you go, guys. (laughs) I do not suggest you try all the things in the story at home exactly how it's written. But, for example, if some earnest gentleman gets a hold of my book and approaches, say, a professional dominant with, can we do this, please? I'm expecting (laughs) that she'll at least not say, what on earth? (laughs) I don't know. Those are the most creative ones that you get, though. Sometimes those are fun. (laughs) It makes you have to use your brain. Indeed. But at least everything happening in the books is physically possible. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. Just not. don't necessarily try this at home, people. Yes. Well, mostly the whole captivity and brainwashing bit. Do not suggest captivity and brainwashing. You've heard me play with the idea of it, but I guess that's one of the other distinctions that, for me, is important to work with. And I'm thinking that later editions are going to have a little disclaimer in them for safe, sane, and consensual. Erotica is one of the spaces where you can write the really creative and weird and rough stuff that you don't do in real life. It's a, it, obviously, as with everything, it's an escapism. It's a, it's a, a way to get out there and, and feel the, the story, feel the genre, feel what it's like yeah. without actually doing it. Confession time, though. When I first started writing this project, it was actually an outlet because I was in a dreadfully vanilla relationship and I had <laughs> hardly anything to speak of in my life. And it was partially my outlet to deal with that or the relationship inevitably died, the sort of death one would expect it would do. But sort of that's the one upside of that particular episode of my life was more kink, at least in fiction. Well, yeah, and obviously, and that's probably the reason why maybe you went a bit more extreme, was because, simply because, you know, it's all coming from your head and you've got no other outlet for it. Yeah, at that time, it 
I imagine yeah. that probably encouraged it, but it's also a reoccurring fantasy that I've been having as long as basically I've had sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's a weird child. For example, I turned my walk-in closet as a kid into a dungeon. Did you really? Yes. This is what happens when you give imaginative six-year-old toy handcuffs of the kind you know, get dollar store policeman sets. Mm-hmm. So I had that all set up, and this is what I really wanted. Even from a young age, I was quite sure that I was going to have a dungeon, and there was going to be guys tied up. And... It, that's really interesting, though, because at six years old, what, how would you even know what a dungeon is? I say that the biggest BDSM porn that most people are exposed to is not actually meant to be kinky. For example, if you watch something like Disney's Sleeping Beauty, you get to watch a magnificently beautiful woman takes a handsome prince captive and suggests that she's going to hold him in her castle for the next set, mm-hmm. and you get to see him tied up and struggling and all that. I don't think if you ever tried to ban BDSM pornography, it would work, because every child knows what a dungeon is. That's where a prince or a princess gets locked up. So in your mind, when you were that age, you were like, okay, this is where I'm going to lock my prince up. Exactly. Or where I'd lock up the crutches that I had when I was in school. Well, it's the same as a lot of submissive gentlemen actually mostly got it from things like Batman. Yeah, Catwoman and really big. Catwoman, the other one was the Queen of Diamonds because she put spells on it. So as soon as you're taking their power away, they're just loving it. Mm-hmm. And then there'll be people who are totally into Emma Frost or, um, Mm -hmm. you do end up with a lot of making porn out of coconuts though, with this sort of thing. This is what I love about your writing is you take this in, in even, it doesn't matter that it's fantasy. It doesn't matter that it's sci-fi. It's still making it more mainstream. Mm -hmm. It's still getting to people and going, oh, you know, that doesn't seem quite so bad. Like you said, because everyone has this preconception of BDSM is always whips and chains, and therefore women who are powerful or women who are dominant have to be ugly and butchy. And this is what I do all the time is try to get them to understand that, no, that's kind that's it's like almost the exact opposite of that. Annette, the protagonist, is hyper-feminine. A great deal of writing is devoted to talking about her outfits, just because, again, it was written based on something that appeals to me, and I care what color the piping is on my uh, dress sleeve. I ended up being ahead of trend, too, because long before everyone turned all candy-colored in their hair, um, I was writing her <laughs> being luminescent as one of the ways you can tell it's science fiction. Ooh. Yeah. Her hair glowed. Very cool. Yeah. So, yes, it's about a fabulously beautiful but also normal woman having fun. I did write in more human aspects of her. Yeah, so you can't sit there and go, oh, well, this is just all sci-fi and it's all fantasy. The, there's That's what I mean about it. There's, yes, there's that in it, but it's still bringing it more down to earth in the sense of it, she's a very everyday person. Yeah, most of the people who read the story don't even notice that it's science fiction. I got people suggesting when they were reading the first part of it that maybe it was set in South America because you have the same disparity. Like in a society where some people are rich and some people are really poor, just because mm-hmm. that provided a convenient background to put in a non-con um, power imbalance. I suppose even one more inclined, it's comparatively difficult for someone to take someone prisoner in one's basement okay. if you're a terribly wealthy person. So that just fits mm-hmm. the story. But yes, she's a normal woman. She has normal concerns. She has a normal life. Yeah, like she's not. She's not like. Is she. She's not a robot, right? She's not a robot, and no, she's, she's she's a human being. Right? It was also or, for me to write that she doesn't hate men. She does this because she loves men, and this is what she's into. Thank you. 
Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Because that's a huge misconception, too. Yeah, and that was one of the most important things. It's a love story, even though it's a mean love story, and it's about two people falling in love, not just his brainwashing to be a sex slave, but her coming to really value his presence in her life. My interview with Miss Pearl will return after this. Maxim Magazine calls it one of the 100 things to do before you die. The Los Angeles Times calls it the mother of all Halloween blowouts. Saturday, October 31st, Halloween night at the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas. It's the 20th anniversary of the fetish and fantasy Halloween Ball. That's right, fellow freaks. The Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, and the insanity will be mind-blowing. Three giant rooms on two levels provide you with six hours of erotic intensity and entertainment, featuring the Psycho Circus, Phantom's Lair, the Red Room of Pleasure, and the Human Zoo, along with the hottest DJs in Vegas and L.A. burning up the dance floor. And don't miss the Lifestyles Expo, where you can pick up all your kinky toys and meet some of the sexiest folks in fetish. The 20th anniversary of the Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball is going to be huge, and I've scored you a discount on your tickets. Simply go to wanttickets.com backslash rubber to save $10 on each general admission ticket you buy. Get your tickets now, because the price goes up the closer it gets to Halloween. Right now is the best time to buy. Go to wanttickets.com backslash rubber and enter the promo code rubber to get your discount. And don't forget to grab your VIP tickets for even more freaky fun while you're there. That's wanttickets.com backslash rubber and enter the promo code rubber. The 20th anniversary of the Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball at the Hard Rock Hotel in Las Vegas. Halloween night. Join me. I dare you. <laughs> and I'm back with more from Ms. Pearl. Now, the Friday Femdom, from a writer's standpoint, because I do have a lot of writers that listen, um, mostly erotica writers. Did you do that in order to keep yourself writing at first? Or like, is is that kind of an incentive there? Well, not. You've got to have something out every Friday. I did that because I'm a perfectionist. And mm-hmm. if I just committed myself to do this tiny little piece, it's not so much that I don't want to write. It's that I wouldn't release something if I wrote it or I wouldn't finish it. So I was forcing myself to write these very short pieces that were um, entirely that were finished. Yeah, sex focus <laughs> too. Right. I've had problems with other erotica I've written. I've written six pages of introduction and I haven't gotten to the sex scene yet. And I mean, the sex scene will be really good. I write good sex scenes, but it's going to take mm-hmm. to get there. And that was more just going out there and writing the sex and getting something I wanted out there and also not letting my perfectionism stop me. Well, that's it. Could you not, do you not end up getting into editing hell where you're just like, okay, it's not perfect. It's not perfect. It's not perfect. Oh, yes. And no matter how many edits I do, I always miss something stupid. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's something to be said for fans who are so fond of your work, they will send you a complete list of all the typos that you'd miss and still be so happy with your work. Yeah, like they're not doing it to be a troll or rude or anything. No, it's just, oh, just it's, so you know. Just so you know. It's like, I love this. This is wonderful. It's so cute. Oh, by the way, you need a comma here. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Do, you, do you edit your own stuff? Like, do you do the final edit or do you send it out and have someone else look at it? This isn't 100% in-house, um, with the exception of the person who does the cover drawings, but it's self-funded, self-published, self-edited. Everything that I've done, I've done from just me. I've considered reaching out to a more established publishing house because I'd eventually like to see a print copy of it. Mm -hmm. In my wildest imagination, I think of myself as being available at your local Chapters Indigo. Um, oh, well, that's the dream of every writer, yeah. Yeah, alongside all those knockoffs with things like Taken, Captive, Reborn, it'll show like, <laughs> shades of grey knockoff or something like that. I'm perfectly happy to um, not be respected for my writing. I just like it to be out there and making people happy. So for you, it's not an ego thing. For you, it's like, I want people to voraciously eat this. I think my work is very good. But on the other hand, I recognize as a genre of pornography, a lot of what works is being able to reach people in a way that transcends even, like, Fifty Shades gets criticized because it's really bad, and the comparison mm -hmm. is inevitable when you do erotica, but I've actually read it, and I really appreciate her grasp of what she's writing as far as what the audience is expecting. Thank you. I, I get more people, everybody goes, oh, don't you hate it? I actually don't. I, I, it, it served its purpose. It's, you know, it, it's formulaic writing, of course. But she, she did, uh, to me, I think it was great. She got, she opened up a doors to a lot of women. Yeah. Who didn't even know about BDSM at all. Okay, granted, they're automatically, let's throw the woman into a submissive position, but doesn't matter. It gets people talking and that's always good. It doesn't make any difference. That's the interesting thing about Fifty Shades is that it follows a lot of the romance novel trope about taking a strong and powerful man and how a woman successfully gets into his head, gets behind his defenses, and then sort of rides him around like a stallion to get whatever she wants out of life. I mean, by the end of the book, she's pretty much ruling the roost, no matter who's got the titles, and that's pretty much par for the course in any modern romance novel. So there you go. See, even if you peel back the layers, look who's in control. Yeah, so that's... <laughs> Something else that motivated me to write is that a lot of romances that were explicitly trying to write women in control tended to fail at that. But I find a lot right. of, because of the wide range of women who don't identify as female dominance that lean that way, there's a lot of stealth stuff hidden out there. And you won't expect it, but then poof, there it is. Suddenly she's taking charge. It just, yeah, it, it, it's like it flies in right under mm -hmm. your radar. Exactly. Because I'll guarantee you no one really picked that out in Fifty Shades, is the fact that, you know, when you take it from A to Z, there you go. It's you know, she's in charge. <laughs> yeah, Jane Eyre, the, that one. She is got a, what she wanted. Exactly. That's another classic novel that people completely miss all the femdom elements, even though um, as much as the protagonist is her employer, the male protagonist is her employer, he behaves exactly like a male sadist of bratting it up because they're hoping to get a smack. <laughs> and you can't read that book, Jane Eyre, and not know about femdom and not pick up on it. Mm -hmm. Or even joking about her um, getting, like, grouping together with some other women and chaining him up as far as know. them flirting. That's their banter. 
But and see, I, people, that's what I mean. I, this stuff is flying in under your radar, and you're not really noticing that all along some of these great pieces of literature actually were putting her in power. It was just in a way that it would make men okay with it. <laughs> I think it's also a matter of making sure that the audience is okay with it, because I think for a lot of women, we're used to expressing power through things like caretaking relationships. Mm-hmm. I've noticed, for example, most of the female dominants that I know are big caretakers, and it makes a lot mm-hmm. of sense that sure it is. it's one of the ways that women are taught that it's okay to express power. And I've noticed that in my vanilla life, that people give me a surprising amount of power if I'm responsible for things, but heaven help me if I just walk in and tell them, you do that, you do that, you do that, you do that. But it's like, mm-hmm. oh, boys and girls, now we're going to get together, and I'm going to make sure that everyone has a lunch. And it's all in the delivery. Exactly. And I think that that's where a lot of the self-femdom is hiding. And that's what I was working with with when I was writing Catamite, was I was writing a believably female heroine who wasn't just um, a man did her wrong and now she's going to make her husband suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, because I, and I think that that's what I mean. That's what I love about your writing is it's not doing that stupid preconceived notion that, again, this woman has to be a bitch or she hates men because that's what everybody thinks that, you know, anybody who's a dominatrix in any way, shape or form is somehow hating the men. And people don't get that. If if we hated the men in front of us, why would it wouldn't make sense? Why would we have anything to do with them? Why would you do something you absolutely loathe to the point where you want to just take a whip and beat the crap out of it? That's horrible. I have another free story that looks into that as a theme. It's called The Cuckolding, which was actually based, again, on real life, in this case, observations, that mm-hmm. I know a lot of male sub, female dom couples that are trying to get, um, like, a cuckolding scenario going on, and universally the problem that they have is they can't find a third because the woman is way more attracted to her male submissive partner than he is to the idea of this alpha or domly dom guy. So they're screaming. That is guys. that is a point. That is a very good point in cuckolding. You're absolutely right. Like you're supposed to be playing into the fantasy where you can't stand the guy, but then there you are. And yeah, no, and sometimes you know if you if you are dominant and obviously you are in a cuckolding situation because it's a female led relationship. So okay, two dominants together doesn't always work well, yeah. especially if the male alpha male that is coming in comes in and thinks he's running the show. No, that isn't how it goes. You're a you're a secondary player, my boy. You are thoroughly decorative. And to be honest, you are a sex toy. That's it. Yeah. It does lead to the thing that in the end of the day, he's actually at the bottom of the pecking order because when all is said and done, sub hubby is going to be cuddled up against her leg yep. being like, thank you. And he's going to be on the metro if he's lucky with text saying thanks. Yep. That's exactly it right there. Yeah. That's how it's done. It, I shouldn't say properly because there are no real rules in any of this stuff because there there's no rules. But... In theory, if you're going to take it for what it's supposed to be, female-led means you call the shots. A lot of women get lost in that whole alpha male thing with cuckolding. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, you know, and it's just, and then this guy walks in and he takes over and he's, now he's calling the shots with the husband. I, I no, I, that one, it, you can play it that way if you want to. I just don't think that's a nice way to play it at all. 
I don't like it. I don't. Someone else coming into my house and starting to order my husband or boyfriend around? Mm-mm. <laughs> Not going to happen. Yeah. I'm somewhat possessive of my partner, too. Um, now, he's a yeah. switch, and we have a somewhat open relationship. It's on a mm-hmm. terrible libertine. But I'm very particular about who gets to boss him around because he's mine, darn it. Mine. Exactly. And I can't give up that much power to someone else. I'm not going to allow you to do that. I'm sorry. There is just no way you're going to do that. You're not going to do it. Period. This is my game, not yours. (laughs) You jump through the hoops I tell you to jump through. Not just my submissive. You too, buddy. Mm -hmm. With other male dominants, I generally find, like, I respect them as individuals. It's just that there's nothing there as far as the urge. You're not sexually attracted to them. Yeah. Well, I could be sexually attracted to them of thinking, hmm, I could totally climb that mountain and take it down. <laughs> but then there's the aspect of knowing that they wouldn't be into it, which spoils the conscious awareness of things. Like, yeah. you could successfully dom a dom doesn't mean that I'd want to, because he wouldn't be happy. He'd either feel bothered or bored. And exactly. nobody wants to see a traumatized man who was quite sure he was the dom on top of everything, and now is like, what happened? And I've seen many, many male alleged dominance who very quickly become submissive. Yeah, I have no problem with male doms who actually turned out to be switches or who thought they had to be doms, but mm. there's real-life power struggles you can get into, and then there's kinky power struggles, and I love a kinky power struggle. I like the <laughs> fact that my partner's a switch. I like having, like, the battle of wills it's going. It's a challenge. Exactly. That part is fun, and it's 100% consenting. It's just that much how I wouldn't much enjoy it if um, I was in a general, genuine position of vulnerability to some random dom guy. I don't think he'd enjoy being in vulnerability to me. It's a consent thing. If I want to write mm-hmm. non-consent, that's where I have things like catamite for, or should I say now, the pet gentleman and understanding a cruel lady. And a simple vasectomy, please. Yes. Perform sterile <sighs> circumstances with painkillers and proper medical care. And I think that's probably what squicked my audience. Here's the thing, though. From an author's standpoint, I don't care if you used a rusty fork. If it's part of the story, leave it alone. Like, it, to say that that's necess- that, that, that it's snuff, I, I, that's insulting. Um, the story already got bounced once when I tried to publish it through Literotica because they didn't like the non-consent aspect of it, which is what I mean by I think it was simply gender discrimination that I noticed there just isn't the same non-con presence for female on male. Mm. And um, there's some very odd tropes kicking around, like the female um, victim non-con tended to buy back on ideas like she deserved it because she stole something or she secretly likes it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was also the wrong audience. But still, yeah. I can put that as my tagline on it, too hot for literotica. There you go, exactly. Get to everybody talking. Mm-hmm. So tell it, what's what's the latest thing that's going to come out? Um, on November 1st, I'm going to be releasing book two, Understanding a Cruel Lady. That'll take the characters from the initial book, which developed their relationship, and into the wider world of that the story is set in, as she feels she's confident in how much control she has over him, so she started taking him out on the town with her. And it'll follow their adventures there, but it also follows the background story that the society therein has a civil war going on and how they get sucked into that. So it's not just sex scenes, there's actually a plot that you can be reading it for. 
If she takes him out, is it acceptable in that society? That's one of the things I was writing with the society is it's one where you're going to see a lot of imbalance in power and this is moving way into the territory of feminism. But one of the other things I was writing about in the story was patriarchy where you will have a bunch of guys who control the power in the society, but their favorite mm. women will typically have secondary power and she's in the position of being a favorite woman. She's the wife of somebody very important and she's able to exploit this and sidestep the rules of her otherwise restrictive society such that it's normal for her to have a bunch of valets and hanger-ons, and nobody's going to be paying particular attention if one of them is, in fact, being taken off somewhere private and ruthlessly used for other purposes. And it was also about how she gets away with that in the story. Ah, okay. So you're not going to... Because I'm thinking, how can you... You can't really take him out on a, on a collar and leash and, you Well, know. in her uh, private estate, she certainly can. She's not going to be walking him through the streets like that, but right. he gets involved in this more like private and intimate act parts of her life. Um, again, this might be spoilers for some of you, but for example, he gets to participate in a outing with one of her lovers and similarly gets that window of intimacy that I was also writing about something that was observed in the era when people really had servants, so they would often fade into the background. People would stop thinking about them as being um humans who were actually present, so they'd do things that they wouldn't do normally for instance mm -hmm. like very a true. woman who was not allowed out escorted in the company of a man would be fine if a male manservant, because it's a male manservant. He's not going to do anything. Or similarly, she would think nothing of disrobing in the presence of a male footman, because it's a footman. It's not a person, mm -hmm. it's a footman. And similarly, having her get away with this naughtiness. And also, I went into a little bit of how she developed her kink identity as seeing the behavior of people to each other being the inspiration for it. Ah, true. Okay. Yeah. Because if every, you know, if everybody's having this power struggle, then that's all she's grown up with. Exactly. And that's what influences it. But also, like I said, I was trying to write about the experience of being a female dominant and dealing with things like occasionally I do still deal with sexism in real life. Even mm -hmm. my first approach is to assume I'm in charge of everything because of course I'm in charge of everything. I'm Pearl. Pearl's in charge. <laughs> And getting across that she's a dominant who's female, but and the two are related only in the sense that being female informs her dominance and being dominant informs her femaleness, but she's not in a separate category that stops her from being a normal female or that her femaleness stops her from being a normal dominant. Because that's the other thing I've noticed about that things oriented around femdom. We seem to get filed in a completely different box than male dom because, well, we might have a different approach because of what we have to work with. I feel like there's almost an idea that you get to be a bonus extra gender. In fact, being a femdom in the scene is the closest I think I will ever experience to what it's like to be a male as far as how some people seem to treat me. Well, they decide, well, I guess she's not a woman, so she's a femdom. Because you not know, mm. all women are submissive. So then, yeah, so, so they're obviously, this is what I mean about the whole butch concept, mm -hmm. is that they automatically jump to, well, you're, you're either, you can't be feminine, Mm -hmm. and be and have power the two just don't mix when in fact <laughs> that's where it all is you don't get that the eroticism comes from the femininity of it it's not you know if because if, if a guy loved just someone screaming and yelling he would you know love the fact that his wife is standing there with rollers in her hair and a frying pan that's not what it's about mm -hmm. i was trying to get into it and being more about 
like the way I see being a female dominant is like I'm a right-handed person. So if I'm going to be doing impact play with you, the whip is going to be in my right hand. And this is going to inform which direction the hits are coming and it's going to influence mm-hmm. a lot of things. But nonetheless, I don't make the distinction that I'm a special kind of dom because I'm right-handed versus left-handed dominant. Yeah, and it's what I was trying to convey in the story, and it's some of what else I say in my writing otherwise. And I mean, in my non-fiction writing, there's reams and reams and reams of blog posts on that subject now. So definitely hit up your blog. What is your blog? My blog is www.omisspearl.com. You'll be able to recognize you're in the right place because of all the blue stripes that um, are on my current template. And just so you know, it's www. and then it's the letter O and then misspearl.com. If there was so a, simple. Yeah, it was going to be misspearl.com, but I discovered to my horror that it's a vanity website for somebody's dog. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yes, it's a very cute dog, but I didn't think that it would be the best approach to be like, so I'd like to buy your domain. I know that it's what Matt can read twice, but... Hey, come on. You could add that to your blog saying that you won best in breed. You know, <laughs> like, it's a whole new world. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm only going to claim that I use the Pearl thing because it's one of my actual names. So, uh, my mother teases me about making my... Um, grandfather's sister, my dominatrix name. <laughs> Sometimes those are the best ones to do, though. <laughs> hey, and it's like it's it's letting your family live, you know. Yeah, probably the way she wanted to. I wouldn't be surprised, given my family. <laughs> there is a long line of matriarchs in my crew. Tanya, you can tell when someone comes from a strong female background, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I think it's a very good thing. I think everyone should have strong parents. And since you end up usually getting your primary care from your mother, it helps that she's got quite a bit of backbone. And it works both ways, whether you're a submissive guy or whether you're, you know, growing up with a powerful woman and learning how to be one because you are one. Doesn't matter. And I guess even there's some strength in submission, too, because I guess there's a difference between being a pushover and being a submissive. That was the other thing I was working on with the pet gentleman was I was trying to write a male lead who didn't make my teeth hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The continuous questions and the can I, can I, can I, can I, yeah, 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 no, no. I think it's not just that. Is it just as much as the audiences seem to assume that female dominance must hate their submissives? They tend to Mm -hmm. write submissives that are inherently dislikable. Like the famous background of she got into femdom because her husband cheated. Like, yeah, I don't want to cheat her. And a lot of male submissives find it really hurts them as an identity thing that the only archetype they have are these men that no woman would ever want when honestly there is nothing sexier than a guy who can still get an erection after you've tormented him <laughs> there is so i want i want everybody to take that to the bank right there gentlemen cuz i i am tired of submissives putting themselves down and saying that they are worthless i realize that's part of the psychology of it i get that but you guys are the world as far as I'm concerned, I would I will take my time with a submissive gentleman over anybody else. Yeah, and I will say explicitly that you make it possible for me to be a predator, but don't make it easy on me. I yeah. like to chase yeah. you. You're beautiful and wonderful. <laughs> Let me chase you down. Well, thank you, Pearl, very much for being with all of my listeners. Um, you are going to be able to find, obviously, links to all of Pearl's work and her website and everything on InBedWithDrSue.com. Thank you, my dear. It was a pleasure.
Her books are delicious, and I expect all my listeners to hit up InBedWithDrSue.com and go to Miss Pearl's show page and follow the trail to Amazon and begin your slide into the world of Miss Pearl. Thank you, Pearl, for being so kind as to do this interview with me. And for those of you who just can't get enough erotica, my next guest will be indie erotica author Lacey Grayson. So stay tuned for that show. Remember, it's not too late to get your tickets to the Fetish and Fantasy Halloween Ball in Vegas. Just go to access.com, AXS.com, and use the promo code RUBBER, and you can get $10 off each ticket you buy. Until the next show, stay warm, stay dry. Okay, well, not too dry. And stay happy. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.